Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Sometimes a movie comes along that's so amazingly good that it demands a sequel. Other times it's just a matter of the studio trying to wring another dollar out of the soiled dish rag that was once someone's most treasured idea and dream before it was prostituted, cheapened, neutered creatively through backstage politics, and then finally sold to the unwashed masses as nothing more than a way to distract them from their unavoidable sucking hole that is their miserable workaday lives for a couple of hours. Either way, it's truly a rare thing for a great movie to have an equally or close to equally great counterpart. So in this, episode 68, we are going to look at one such one-two punch in our first ever free-range idiocy movie combo platter, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who once challenged Al Roker to a foot race and won 20 bucks on the bet, but is yet to collect due to some issue having to do with illegal footwear. He is the Billy Gunn to my Chuck Palumbo. Who knows why one of us can to get pushed in spite of being a giant sucking void of charisma and heat, but what the hell? I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all right, but I think I might have stressed a vocal cord in that last one there. I gotta say, that was quite the introduction, my friend. I'm in a bit of a mood, let me just tell you. It's just, uh, I don't know, maybe it was the, the half and half iced coffee I had. Maybe it's just moving. Maybe it's the sun sunburn I'm sporting over like 75% of my body right now. Cause a little bit I of heat stroke getting to you? I am a moron, ladies and gentlemen. I went out and sat next to a pool, and two and a half hours into it, I was like, hey, did I put on sunscreen? I don't think I put on sunscreen. That's what's sizzling. I thought I couldn't tell. I, th- I thought I smelled bacon. It's me. I'm cooking. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So if I start hallucinating and, and, and speaking in tongues in the middle of this episode, don't worry. It's all completely normal. <laughs> Oh, uh, nothing like a little fricassee, Uncle Todd. <laughs> Crazy from the heat, as Diamond D- David Lee Roth once said. <laughs> Crazy from the heat. Anywho, yes. uh, can you name the tag team, sir? Uh, I believe this is one of the more uh, basic and simpler names to get. Weren't they simply called Billy and Chuck? Yes, they were. I, oh, thank you very much. I figured after after uh, the last couple, I feel like I've kind of really set you up for some failure. I wanted to give you a nice softball lob to start ah, this episode off, and I you. just, I really just wanted a good excuse for a Billy Gunn joke because <laughs> he really is. He's one of those. He's like the professional wrestling pinata. It's mm-hmm. just, it, it's the it, all the jokes are right there. They're right mm-hmm. there. I mean, take your pick. Take your pick of any of them, and you know what? Chances are someone's already done it on Twitter. So, eh. Although, oh, well. according to Stone Cold in the Mick Foley Broken Skull Sessions, he knows how to freight train Ken Shamrock. So. 
So I guess he's got that going for him. I mean, the one person who had any who had less charisma than Billy Gunn was Ken Shamrock. And then you go from there down to Steve Blackman, and you go oh. from there downwards to like Dan Severn. Yeah. And then after that, and after that, and after that, I think there's Terry Taylor somewhere way down at the bottom. Yes. Great idea to bring those former UFC guys in. They they're just oozing with charisma. <laughs> Well, it was one of those weird things. Like, it sounds like a great idea until you realize, like, oh, you you have the 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 make the make believe fighting over here with the yeah. big personalities over here. You have the real fighting. Personality don't mind, matter much because people just want to see someone get the snot kicked out of them for yeah. realsies, yeah. you know, as opposed to over here where they want to see it, but they know it's not for realsies. You know, yeah. personality isn't as important like in a bar fight when you're like, get him, Cletus. Get him! <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you don't care if Cletus has a good gimmick. You don't care if he's oh. if what his entrance music is. Hey, Maul, get off the dang roof. Beat the living hell out of Billy Bob so you can go and have more Strohs. That's all you want. Mm-hmm. Actually, do oh, they even still funny. make Strohs beer? Uh, I think in the nether regions they do, yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I, what, who are we going to name our, our fake producer? Uh, Patrick. Patrick, hey, can you look that up for me? <laughs> Patrick's our new, our, our now our, our I, mythical I like how you just producer. came up with that out of like nowhere <laughs> and landed on Patrick. I don't know. It just sounds like because I could, you can work. I feel like I can work that name in a bunch of different ways. Like I can be oh really nice. Gosh. Like, oh, that was thank you, Patrick. Or I can, you know, you can yell it really, Patrick. <laughs> you know, like the 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 two syllables work really well. There's a lot of good consonants you can mess around in there. And oh then you even gosh. have like a nice A at the beginning. You're like Patrick, <laughs> you can even do that. There's a there's a lot you can do there. Your you riffing know? knows no bounds, sir. <laughs> I, Nowhere again. on the show notes do we have anything about a Patrick, and yet you, you've absorbed several minutes about it. It's hysterical. I, I'm oh sweating. Gosh. Is that normal with a sunburn, or should I really be concerned? <laughs> oh, I think the heat stroke is setting in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I may be flying solo by midway. I feel like I'm standing next to myself. Is that is that okay? <laughs> is, is Vince in the same room with you? I, I feel Draw like Chris me Pine. Money. I feel like Chris Pine in, in Star Trek. I got Nunthong. Oh, I got Nunthong. <laughs> <laughs> oh All gosh. right. Where, where, where were we? Okay, so, uh, oh, yeah, hey, we've got this little segment that we like to call the Week in Geek. So let's check in with our roving reporter, Tim, because uh-huh. we're cheap. It has to be one of the two of us. Uh, we don't even pay Patrick. Patrick, <laughs> put the turpentine down. Oh. I'm using that for something else. Find out about the beer. Th- don't, don't, Patrick. <laughs> I, I can. Do, I can you just want to do the show, you and Patrick? You seem to be <laughs> more of a conversation with the imaginary character than the real guy standing on the mic with you. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> everything, everything is spinning right now. <laughs> yes, I bet it is. <laughs> are you All playing right. doors? Are you playing? Uh, are you playing the doors in the background, or is it just me? Uh, that would be you, sir. Oh, awesome. I'm sure the awesome. elephants are bouncing around the room as well. Feels so funky. So anyways, here's the uh, Week in Geek. 
So in uh, the Weekend Geek, first up, uh, three major Star Wars characters rumored for That's the book it. of Boba Fett. Get off the ladder. Get off the ladder now. I'm telling you, OSHA's going to get us for that. Sorry. What, what were you saying? <laughs> I don't even know if we're going to get through any of this tonight if you keep doing this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we've got this covered.com purveyor of all rumors, true and factual. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Do we have any more forth, rumors from from that guy who I can't I can never remember his name, but it just uh, uh, not I don't think I do this week. Uh, yeah, th- th- this one is not right. from him. This uh, okay. Or, okay, they're crediting. Oh, so I'm crediting them. They're crediting this thing uh, called that hashtag show. <laughs> Anyways, um, there's been a lot of rumors about who's going to show up in the book of Boba Fett, and apparently, uh, you know, it's ranged from uh, Timothy Oliphant's Cobb Vanth. Uh, maybe get a little grief carga in there. Um, however, uh, the latest rumor, and it sounds like it has a little bit of heft to it, I don't know why, uh, is that we will be getting, believe it or not, Luke Skywalker, Grogu, Whoa. and the Grand Admiral in the Book of Boba Fett. Wow. Do you buy or sell on that rumor? It is, it is merely a rumor at this point, but that is the... Uh, that is the thinking at this point. Well, okay. Let's let's try just for a moment. I mean, let, we don't do this normally, but let's try and think this through logically, shall we? Mm. Uh, I know it's not our gimmick, but let's give it a shot. Luke Skywalker, yeah, I could maybe see that one because, I, I mean, we, we were talking about how the Rangers of the New Republic was going to be at, kind of in... Oh, no, that was Ahsoka. Those two are going to be twinsies, right? Right, right. Um, I mean, I could see maybe, actually, no, I, now, now that I think about that, cause I was thinking that I was thinking this was the twin to that. I'm sorry. I was completely, again, heat stroke is apparently getting to me now. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think Luke Skywalker, I'd have a real hard time even see, I don't, I see, I can't imagine any of them showing up really. Yeah. I mean, why would you have Grand Admiral Thrawn show up in Book of Boba Fett? Like that the doesn't juice, make any baby. sense to me. The juice. You want to you, you want to put a little juice in there, a little little sizzle, dude. It's Boba freaking fat. I you don't know. Need any juice. Like but that's the, the thing. Like, well, I get it, but it, I don't know, man. That just that one doesn't seem like it. None of those seem like that they would fit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I mean Grogu to me would maybe be the most likely, which then would also then say, well, if, if you're going to have Grogu, then you got to have Luke Skywalker, because unless it's, you know, Boba Fett bumping into Grogu when he was even younger, back before Mando got him, then that's odd, because he didn't really ever seem, neither, neither of them looked like they knew each other, so mm, right. I guess if but you're going to have... Mind- Keep, keep, keep in mind, Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. as we talked about in a prior episode, is going to go back in time to yeah. in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And there is a little bit of history there with Boba and Luke because Luke is one of the uh, reasons Boba ends up in the Sarlacc pit. So yeah, there could that, be that tie-in with him. And then what I thought was kind of interesting is with Grand Admiral Thrawn is that maybe through going back to that point, the Grand Admiral, although I'm not entirely sure the timeline of everything because I haven't watched Rebels, but uh, has he gone off with, with the space whales at this point, or, or is he uh, still intact? 
I think so. I think I think all of that takes place before a new hope. Okay, so he would be okay. Then never mind. So I, it would be I the thought return. it might be a way to introduce him kind of before he actually shows up in present time, like Mandalorian. I mean, you'd ha- you'd have to really go far back. See, this is the thing. Like, I yeah. even if you brought back, um, even if you had Luke, okay, um, is there some sort of story between Luke and Boba in between those two movies? Maybe, but at the same time, yeah. why don't they really? There's there's like no interaction between them in Return of the Jedi that kind of pay that off, mm-hmm. or to even kind of really hint at it. You know what I mean? Although, I guess you could. You can almost do it as a sandwich, like you you fill in the backstory and then you just show, you know, people know what happened in Return of the Jedi and then you reference it in the whatever the present day timeline would be. Okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess I guess it could be. The only thing that makes me wonder about that is because how much how many times you going to pull the Luke Skywalker card? Yes, you know, exactly. I mean, exactly. they 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 when they played that just about as perfectly as you possibly could, mm-hmm. and without an I mean, unless Sebastian Stan has decided to sign on or they've committed to some other actor to play Luke, I can't imagine they're going to continue to just be like, hey, we'll just have this, have a stand in and we'll spend like all this money to try and make it look like Luke, and right. I don't know that. I think the Grand Admiral is probably the least likely, but I, I, I gotta say, I think all three are pretty unlikely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean not I, that I wouldn't mind seeing any of them, but it just doesn't feel like this is the right spot for him. I mean, looking at the list, I, I mean, it would make sense to see. It probably would make more sense to see Cobb Vanth or, or even Grief Karga. Because yes. You, you you could see their paths crossing, probably more so than, you know, especially Grogu. Grogu for me is the one that's probably the least likely to show up. Because yeah. it's just like it, there, there's really no reason for him to show up and be around the Boba no. Fett character at all. Luke, I could see a little bit, and I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is a flyer because it, it could be a way to introduce him as, like I said, a little sizzle on, on top of the sizzle of Boba Fett because fans won't expect it. You know, like mm. they won't know that it's coming, and here's the first introduction of the Grand Admiral. But again, it doesn't line up with the timeline. Um, yeah. Because if he's lost in space, you know, then. Yeah. So, anyways, I think we're getting Ola Fantastic. You think? I think that's that is the most likely because it would right. tie into like how he got his armor. Like you're gonna you're gonna maybe see the story of how he wound up with that armor somehow. Which uh, would make grief, sense. Grief Karga, a little bit less likely because it didn't doesn't seem like grief travels all that far. Like he loves him some of that planet that he's on, uh, whatever it is, and seems very interested in its uh, in its health and welfare. I don't know how far right. you know he strays from that planet. He doesn't strike me as a as a galaxy traveling kind of guy. Yeah. So I think Ola Fantastic is the is the the most likely. I think the the dark horse candidate for a an appearance would be Han Solo. Ah, that would be interesting. In much the same way as you got a Luke, because there is a tie in there. Either that, mm-hmm. or maybe we get we get like Chewbacca or something like that. I I think there's a chance for for if there's going to be characters. I think those those could be some likely ones because there is a bit of a natural tie-in. But mm-hmm. then again, I mean, as we've seen, you know, Favreau and Filoni, they do what they want, and I'll be damned if they haven't done it well. So they have been uh, knocking it out of the park every single time. Pretty much. 
pretty much. I mean, think think about like the pitch for some of these episodes, and how goofy some of them would sound if you didn't actually know the people who were doing it. Like the whole mm-hmm. space spiders one, and the and the frog lady and Grogu eating the eggs and all that. I mean. You pitch that to somebody, and it's just it's it's a vacuum. Like it's not Star Wars, and it's not Favreau, and it's not Filoni. And so be like, get out of my office right now. Either they press that yeah. special button that brings in security without even saying anything. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't work. But then you put it in with you know these guys, and in the context of Star Wars, okay, it's an instant classic because yeah. that episode yeah. was an instant classic. Oh yeah. All right. Well, staying within the realm of, of Star Wars, uh, an interesting item uh, off of ScreenRant.com. Uh, not so much a rumor, just a little bit of an interesting factoid. Uh, Fennec Shand, as played by Ming-Na Wen, uh, it was actually meant to die in the first season of The Mandalorian. She was meant to be a one-off character, mm-hmm. uh, which I think a lot of us were assuming was the case uh, up until the, uh, the appearance of Boba Fett and, and her as his second uh, and her comment was, um, you know, again, it's supposed to be a one-off character. That's what she signed up for. There were no other ideas of her surviving, you know, the blaster to the gut. Um, I think it was, uh, what did she say? I think it was just maybe a combination of being written in the scar, the stars. The Force was with me, all of it. Filoni was directing Gunslinger at the time. We got to know each other. She didn't know him before, and they connected on many levels because they're such big Star Wars fans. Here's the, here's the cool part. And then we discovered that we both grew up in the same neighborhood, and then we went to the same high school. So I think what? it was just... <laughs> yes. At the same time? Are th- okay, she doesn't say that. She doesn't say at the same time, but she said right, they grew up in the same here. neighborhood, and they went to the same high school. All right. So, so Ming-Na Wen, age. She's... Okay, yeah. I, I think she's a bit older than Dave Filoni, age. Uh, yeah, so Dave's Dave's ten years younger than yeah. than Ming Na Wen, so so, okay. so they wouldn't have crossed paths. No, that but that is that is crazy, isn't I that? Just, I, I love stuff like that, man. And isn't that great? That's cool when it's like famous people. That's also cool when it's like just someone that you come across where you're like, no way, <laughs> really? Right. Oh, right. cool. You know, we are we are we are simple simple creatures, and I'm not just speaking about us for once. It's it's just human beings in general. Something in, amusing, indeed. like, hey, you you lived in the same like little bit of the planet that I did mm-hmm. at as mm-hmm. at a, maybe at a different time. But, oh wow, that's still kind of cool. However, it's it's not it's the the weird one is when people are like, oh, you're from Philadelphia. Do you know Ralph? <laughs> sure, Stuff like that. Like, are you serious? You know, or someone like, named Patrick. Yeah, well, I mean that's different because he's a special case. I mean that. that what? That, no, I told you, you file those later. All right. I'm oh no. Gosh. I'm not paying you that right now. going to turn into a sketch comedy of Uncle Todd and Patrick. For you know what? Go go alphabetize the bourbon cabinet. Just I need you out of here, okay? Thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> interns man i mean he's, he's, oh. he's an intern i mean he's a producer but he's a, he's really an intern because we're cheap you know but it's it is what it is you know anyways where were we uh oh, we yeah, were on Fennec Shand, uh being a one-off and then not being a one-off and now um the uh the the next item we have again not so much a rumor uh just an interesting factoid but um 
that Ming-Na Wen, who is the actress that plays her, uh, mm-hmm. would like to ha- her aspirations for the character um, around if I think she was asked if uh, if she would like to see Fennec become a Jedi. And of course, she says selfishly, of course I would. And she's like, I mean, you know, we all want to be a Jedi when we were younger. How crazy would that be? And she said, uh, I've already pictured that she would have an orange lightsaber because that's her color, which I thought was kind of interesting because we have not seen the orange lightsaber, have we? No, the closest we've gotten is Ray when she had the like, not it wasn't even bright yellow. It wasn't like highlighter yellow. It was kind of that uh, that yeah. gold yellow kind of color. Yeah, yeah. So again, not not a rumor and and not some, and anything like uh, big time sizzled, uh, so to speak. But it is uh, just an interesting you know perspective on her part. You know, now that her character is kind of established and. We're, you know, we're not sure as fans where it's going to go in the book of Boba Fett, uh, mm. but it sounds like uh, it sounds like she is truly a, a uh, out and out Star Wars fan. Uh, of course, wanting to see her character become a Jedi and wield an orange lightsaber, I say that would be kind of cool. All right, so a couple things here. It's interesting to me because uh, that she was supposed to be just a one-off because you look at some of the characters that well, one character in particular, Poe Dameron, was supposed to die. Mm-hmm. You know, early in Force Awakens, and kind of lobbied for his character to live, yeah. and turned out to be you know a fairly substantial part of that of that sequel trilogy, for better or worse, depending on <laughs> depending on his his uh, take on things. Maybe he was like, you know what, they should have offed me. It would have been great. <laughs> um, and then of course you have kind of the opposite, where you had Harrison Ford lobbying for his character to die in the original mm-hmm. trilogy. So Star Wars can't quite decide whether they want to kill people or keep them around. Uh, I think that's really cool that they did that, and I think her character has added a lot of nice texture to uh and 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 it's nice giving boba fett kind of a running buddy you know what i mean yeah that yeah that that was a really cool thing that i was not expecting now the one problem that i have here and i i mean maybe she could be a jedi i maybe not i mean i don't know i mean it seems kind of weird that it's like you always hear about oh no you know you go back to yoda like no too old too old for the training and we have no no uh you know inkling of her having any kind of force abilities or force sensitivity or any of that maybe well, exactly exactly maybe that will maybe it'll come out maybe she's hit it this whole time maybe that was why she was such a great sniper maybe she was using the force you know i mean right. hey if luke can do it with a proton torpedo whatever she used there the, the the glowing volleyball going into the really poorly designed vent uh which as it turns out wasn't so poorly designed uh you know if he can do that then maybe she can do exactly it. as specified <laughs> it was which was actually really a nice bit of of uh of sort of going back and being like let's try to make the empire look less stupid even just in a little way can we do that can we can we retroactively do that uh that was nice the the problem i have though is okay enough with everybody getting their own personal lightsaber color like it's it's cool i like fennec shan i like ming na wen i have no problem with her as a character or as an actor we got to make we got to stop with the just giving like oh i want this lightsaber i want that no you get two choices, because you know what? We already gave one to, to Sam Jackson, because, well, Sam Jackson. I mean, <laughs> Sam, you know, Jackson. I mean, come on. Uh, and then, and then Ray. Mouth. And, you know, Ray, Ray kind of, I mean, I think there was a, there's a case to be made for her having that and mm. because it's ca- supposed to carry forward into a new generation. Okay, fine. But that's it. 
Everyone else, you get blue, you get red. That's it. Not when you, you can't even have the green one because that's the blue. Only crayons you're allowed to color with, kids. This is it. We're going back. It's it's going to be old school. It's like GI Joe and Cobra. Like these oh, are the two colors man. you get. That's it. You know, I I just uh, that's the only that's the only part of it that makes me go well uh, grind my teeth a little bit. That's mm-hmm. it. Otherwise, I ain't got mm-hmm. no problem with that. It could be kind of a cool thing, and maybe maybe it does play into it. Who knows? I mean, obviously, you know, her and Dave are tight, so maybe he's like, ah, sure, you can be a Jedi. Why not? We went to the same high school. It could happen. Yeah. But I will say it, it would be a little bit of a stretch if they did that. It's like, just, just leave her as Boba Fett's running buddy. You know what I mean? Like, like not everyone has to have the wizardry powers of the Jedi. You know? Like, oh, like, totally like, Let not. them stand yeah. on their own. I mean, I, I you know, as, as we have talked about in, in our past reviews of The Mandalorian, that, you know, in that finale episode of season two, when, when the ladies had their moment of just kind of marching and just whooping whooping on the on the uh, I don't think they were stormtroopers but just just the crew of mm-hmm. of of the ship was just fantastic and and just really well done and uh you know just just let it be that you know what I mean like like not everyone's got to be a Jedi I know it'd be cool oh, yeah yeah but, no uh, totally I think but I think there's if if it was done for a specific story purpose I I think I think it could work I think it would be interesting just to, again, my own fantasy booking, and you know what? I'll tell you what, Favreau, Filoni, you want this one? I'll give this one to you, and you can you can credit me if you'd like. You know, maybe maybe throw a little cheddar my way. That's I'd be okay with that. But what would be interesting is you have someone who has force abilities, who mm-hmm. has had them, who has in a way kind of learned to use them, mm-hmm. but yet does not want to become a Jedi. Does not want to, to 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 further them. Does not want anything to do with it. Is like I don't. I didn't ask for this. I didn't right. want this. Right. You know. I use this as a means to an end. And and trying and and where it becomes almost this, uh, you know, tug of war of like, well, no, you have to. It's a responsibility. It's like no. I think that could be kind of cool and show and and add a little more more of a gradient to the kind of like good guy bad guy. Like right. no, here's here's some more gray in here where well. What if, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that could be an interesting sort of thing of, of what she decides she wants to do and, and how what direction her character takes and what that how that affects her relationship with Boba Fett and and other characters. I think that could be kind of interesting uh, if done properly. And there's no reason to believe that Favreau and Filoni wouldn't do it properly. So, again, you know, John, Dave, that one's that one's that one's right there for you. You just take that and tee it up and you go right ahead and like I said you know you, you pay me what's fair pay me what's do what's fair that's right just 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 give him 350 yeah actually Patrick can you can, <laughs> I, I need to send a fax yeah yeah they, I mean what well, they're old they do faxes yeah what no you gotta cr- you crank the th- yeah it's yeah uh, no pl- uh, never mind <laughs> Go back to alphabetizing the bourbons. <laughs> and finally, Uncle Todd has not seen episode three uh, yet, but we'll <laughs> just chat briefly about episode two of Loki. Mm. Uh, just thoughts on uh, just the, how the series is going and, 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 and the direction of the story. I am loving the fact that it's like just turned into a buddy cop show. 
I just love that. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, and it, it just happens so damn quickly because after mm-hmm. the first episode, you know, that you kind of get this real emotional thing between uh, between Mobius and, and 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 Loki, and then by the second show, like Loki has his own desk. You know, and 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 like yeah, yeah. the tie and everything, and and he's it's like, you know, come on, partner, and I'm like, like, wait a minute, when did this? I know time moves differently there, but holy crap! Like all of a sudden, you know, which one's Riggs? Which, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. which one's Murtaugh? I'm kind of I'm I'm lost, but oh no, it was great. I love that. I love that aspect of it. I love the dynamic between uh, Wilson and Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. They both are just so so right for the way that they're playing those roles. Is I'm loving it. Yeah, I I can't believe it's going to only be six episodes. It just seems like there's so much more ground for them to cover. But yeah, um, but I I, I I really enjoyed their interaction. Um, I thought it was an interesting you know layering of, of depth in in Loki when he was kind of going through and reading about uh, Ragnarok you know happening to Asgard and and we have to keep remembering this is the Loki that you know did not you know join Thor and in invoking that to to overthrow mm. their sister. So, you know, for him to see that and, and, and to see, you know, how many were killed and, and who, sur- you know, how many survived and that sort of thing, it, it just kind of, you know, again, brought out the humanity that uh, that seemingly came out in him as, as the movies wore on, you know, toward mm. what we'll be talking about shortly. So I enjoyed that. Uh, love this concept of, of, of taking, you know, different apocalyptic events and, and kind of saying, well, look, you know, you can do whatever you want. The, the event's going to occur, and it's going to wipe yeah. everyone out anyways. So, you know, there's really no, no, uh, you know, no, no sort of abnormality that's going to happen. And just that whole scene where he just runs out there and starts freeing the, uh, you know, the sheep yes. or whatever, and he's well, yeah, because Mobius is like, all right, little changes, and of course, you're like, yeah, like that's going to happen with Loki, and he, of course, he has to jump up on the cart, and he's like, I. Loki and it's yes. like oh my gosh yes of course that was yeah. awesome that was awesome it's like trying to tell your drunk friend like okay shh be quiet what yeah What's exactly hey like, no no you're gonna wake up my roommate oh you got a roommate and it's like <laughs> oh my gosh and then what I found interesting was how they found some sort of you know like apocalyptic weather event happening uh, on Earth, and it was like in the future. But what what I found interesting about it was, it's like where are, you know, n- not that it's up to the Marvel superheroes to prevent natural phenomena from happening, but it was just interesting to me that there was some sort of apocalyptic event that happened in the time when these sort of superhuman heroes existed, you know, and and mm. that there was going to be an event that was going to wipe out a lot of people, and and they just they weren't present at all really um from what we could tell but that was where um who we learned to to be uh thinking uh well i don't know you haven't seen episode three so i don't want to say i haven't but Um, i i have i have seen uh, a little little info about who the who that person is so yeah but i don't i don't want to get call her lady loki for now but she triggers off what is meant to be her grand plan which is to start causing all sorts of fractures along the timeline in ways that the tva can't keep up with Mm. Uh, and and i I thought that was a very interesting way to kind of uh rattle the cage and and kind of disrupt the status quo of, of what was going on with that so so overall, I, I agree with you. I think it's 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 heading in a very strong direction, and and I really am enjoying just kind of the focus on on his character without the entanglement of Thor and 
you know, just all the other events of, of the Infinity Saga, you know, it's just this is kind of his own story and path. And so it'll be interesting to definitely see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it really is how Marvel's doing things like you were saying it's only six episodes. It seems like there could be so much more. Well, totally there could be. But this this is kind of their their M.O. with these shows is like leave them wanting more, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. leave them wanting more. And it, it reminds me of the old uh, the thing that James Brown used to say because he would have his show and then there's oh this person wants to meet you the mayor wants to meet you he's like and he would just he would just leave and his the phrase he would use is kill him and leave kill him yeah. and leave like you just you knock him dead at the show and you just go you yeah. know and that's I was like that's kind of how Marvel's doing it like boom here you go mm-hmm. see ya yeah. and we're moving on, we're on to the next thing like they're it's like the the Belichick method like we're on to, we're on to Loki you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy but it's it is the perfect way to do it if you're mm-hmm. going to also start mixing in these with movies because you want to leave some you want to leave a little bark on that tree because right. you're going you're going to need it for something else. Oh, they're so it's just masterful. Really just masterful. And finally, health update. Ah, uh, yes. So what are we up to? Ah, uh, well, we got to reset the counter, believe it or not. Oh, man. All right, hang on. Father's hey, Day, no Patrick, less. Patrick, just, yeah, can you can you turn that over? No, not, don't turn that over. That's the clock. No, the, the number thing. The number, turn it over to Z. Turn it over to Z. <laughs> turn. You know what? I'll tell you what. Just go back to the bourbon cabinet. Just go go back to alphabetizing. <laughs> I'm just impressed there's that many bottles for him to alphabetize. <laughs> He works really slow. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad it's an unpaid internship because otherwise, oh man. So we are recording on a Sunday. Last Sunday, Father's Day, uh, I found myself uh, again having to to make my my monthly visit to the hospital. To wit, I was actually told twice by hospital staff, "Haven't we seen you here recently?" <laughs> The thing that you don't want to be is is like the 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 norm of cheers for your local hospital. Yes. Like you walk in like Tim. No, yeah, that's ex- exactly. That's that's not the status you want to gain. Um and 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 I think as you so eloquently put it in in our texting we were doing is like, "Well, are you getting a punch card out of this? You get a <laughs> get like a a VIP sort of thing going on." You should at least get a good parking space out of this whole oh thing. Like, gosh. you know, no like you're on the you're on the right next to the elevator in the garage or something. But I'm doing better. The uh, a few a few meds have been adjusted, so so we'll see how we do. But otherwise, uh, uh, we're 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 back uh, flying flying uh, right. Did a 12 mile bike ride today, feeling good. So hopefully uh, we we will go. So right now we're at seven days without incident. Hopefully it can that number just continues to grow. Yeah, let's try and get to double digits, shall we? I would love to be in double digits. Love to be you in know, triple I bet, digits. I bet I know what the it, it's that CBD infused steak that you've started doing this past week. Well, I bet that's what's really helping, keeping you nice oh, and calm. Yeah. The Kevin Smith <laughs> approach to heart health. <laughs> he would just roll up, roll up the steak and smoke it. Oh, good lord! Actually, no, oh. he won't. He's actually he is he is a he is totally plant based now. His diet, and has been ever since he had his heart attack. And the funny thing about it, well, actually not funny, but actually the the coincidence of it is his daughter was vegan for years before that. 
oh, and was constantly trying to get him off of you know animal products and all that. And so they've they've actually started doing a podcast together uh, about that is kind of centered on, but not exclusively about them both being uh, plant based. He Kevin Smith actually at one point was like. You know, someone's like, yeah, they asked me if I was vegan. It's like, don't call me that. I'm not part of your cult. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this because I have to, you know. So he's I think he, he terms it as just plant based diet instead of trying to say, you know, I vegan. See. But it's the same sort of thing. So he would not smoke uh, a steak. Um, a Beyond Burger, perhaps. Yes. Yes. Actually, more than likely he has. And with that health update, that, my friends, is a once again long and extended weekend geek. Well, thank you very much, sir, for your sleuthing on the interwebs, for, for muckraking these rumors so that we have something to talk about here with the good people of the interwebs. I and, try, uh, but Patrick's going to put me out of a job if you know he keeps performing at the level he's performing at so patrick's gonna put himself out of a job if he keeps performing at the level he's performing with especially if he breaks one of these bottles i'm telling you right then he's <laughs> gonna be riding my boot out, is, the, out is, the door is 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 that uh you, you know does that qualify for for the stern patrick <laughs> no that's just getting tossed out that's getting tossed out the club that's what that is you know oh, bray i mean I, I don't have any bottle. I can't afford to have any bottles broken. Can't afford that. Yep. Stuff's expensive these days. Times yep. are tough all over. Yeah. All right. So now we get to the heart of the matter here, and this is a, this is a, actually this is a very Tim centric episode because you you of course do all of the heavy lifting for the week and geek, but you're the one who came up with this idea. So you know what? I am going to let you. I'm going to let you explain. Let you explain. I am going to have you explain, not let you. It's not up to me. Um, oh, man. But I'm, I would like for you to explain to the peoples, uh, what is the free-range idiocy movie combo platter? So what we're going to do here is, uh, during one of our pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-production meetings, decided that... That's a lot of pre's. It is. You know, that we would kind of look at and, and dissect, if you will, uh, some of the great back-to-back movie sequels that have occurred over the years. Mm. Uh, and, and, of course, in, in true free-range idiocy, idiocy fashion, now that we've done uh, the episode where we bracketized all of the different wrestling match types, uh, we want to go back to that bracket well, well, pretty much as much as humanly possible. Yeah, because so, we need to drive that right into the ground. Exactly, you know? exactly. If you know, Work the gimmick and wear the gimmick out. And mm-hmm. so uh, basically what this is, is we're going to, over the course of uh, not in consecutive weeks, this is going to be a kind of a repeating thing happening over the next uh, several months, is we're going to look at all these different uh, sequel, great sequels, and uh, discuss them, discuss their merits, their, their, their uh, demerits, and uh, kind of give them a little bit of a rating overall to kind of see where, where they stand. And then we're going to bracketize them and, and, and figure out uh, for ourselves, being the purveyors of, of fine intellectual knowledge here at the range we call free and idiocy, uh, who, who is the greatest? About? Who is the greatest or what is the greatest combo platter of them all? So uh, today and tonight, we are going to be discussing uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame as one of those pairings, and uh, that is going to be uh, our, our topic, our MO for this evening. 
who are these purveyors that you're talking about? Do we have someone else coming in that's going to discuss this, or is it just us, us schlubs? You didn't get the memo from Patrick, huh? No, I don't know. What, we got like we got some actual experts this time, or is it just us? Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> to heck with truth and advertising. You're stuck oh. with us. No, and I, I like I really like this idea because there is something to be said for because having having movies that and not necessarily they have to be equal because it's very tough for a sequel to equal the original. Um, but yeah. there are there are movies that kind of dovetail together quite nicely because there's a lot that don't. So mm-hmm. the ones that do uh, kind of stand out, and they do. so we. I, at first, I got to admit, full disclosure, when Tim brought up this idea, I'm like, eh, how many of those are there? And then we started listing them off. I'm like, crap, there's a whole lot of these. <laughs> Never mind. I stand corrected. <laughs> so, uh, and and this was just a, this is this like the first one where it was like, oh, well, yeah, of course. Duh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this is a great idea, once again, from the mind of the man they call Tim. Thank and you. So, uh, as usual, just... Bringing home the bacon and bringing <laughs> and himself home from the hospital <laughs> <laughs> and consuming it. So, so um, do you actually? Quick question, not to, not to kind of dwell on the health update portion of the show, but are you at the point now where you, where your wife even drives you to the hospital, or is it just like you're like, I'll be back in a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she she does actually drive me, uh, uh, okay. mainly because of COVID restrictions and the fact that she cannot uh, come in. Uh, so she, she drops me off and I, I, I'm literally to a point with this because ba- for our listeners, uh, I, I've basically had the same kind of repeated episode with, uh, what is called an atrial fibrillation. It's when you have an irregular heartbeat and your heart rate goes up really high. And, um, I'm to the point now where we just pack a bag because <laughs> we don't know if this is going to mean <laughs> I'm going to get admitted or not sort of thing. So it's almost like, it's almost like you're expecting at this point it's it's all it's all about preparation it's all about preparation you're pleasantly surprised if you get released from the er and get to go home uh and then you're just kind of like uh this is not great if i have to stay uh because you don't know how long you have to stay for uh because they they're basically kind of they have you on a medicine to to do what's called converting you know your heart rate back to normal Mm -hmm. so it was uh it was interesting it was interesting all right. Well, maybe we'll have to go over what's in your in your uh, in your hospital bag for one of our episodes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we'll have to cover like what what does Tim take for one of these visits to the to the uh, hospital? Well, yeah. Let's see. We've got a nice, comfy pair of sweats. Uh, we five pounds. Bring of, the sweats. Five pounds worth of jerky in case I need a snack and the cafeteria is closed. <laughs> Which, by the way, when I got admitted to my room, okay, oh boy, it was thirty minutes before the cafeteria closed. So, <laughs> I, I I'm able to order some food because I I show up at you know the hospital at like six six in the evening. I'm finally in my room at like nine thirty. I haven't had any dinner, and you know I'm not starving, but it's like you know, I like to have a little bit of protein before you know it's time to shut it down for the night. And you know they're they're able to 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 uh, deliver. So I order a burger, you know, no bun, and it comes in this massive round 
I don't know what to call it. it. It's not a it's not a bowl. It's like a container. You know, it almost looks like uh, one of the like if you think about Cloud City from Empire Strikes Back. It's like imagine that building was a container for food. Yeah. So it comes in. It's big, and I'm thinking, wow, that's a really big container. This must be some sort of beefy burger they give me. And I lift it up, and it is the most pathetic looking burger patty you've ever seen in your life. It's like a it's like a meatball that they press down on. It's like a hockey puck. I mean, I'm just like <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> this this I don't know why I thought I was gonna be eating like I was at, you know, Harry Carey's or something like that, but <laughs> oh my gosh. Could so, right. I, is it all right if I call Uber Eats? Is that cool here? Is <laughs> <laughs> right? Did they deliver to the room? <laughs> can they just... If, I'm, I'm only on the second floor. They can throw oh. it up to the window. They don't even need to come inside. Is that all right? That cool, Doc? Okay. Oh, oh man. So now we're, we've, we've, now that I've derailed us entirely. Uh, yeah, so Avengers Infinity War <laughs> and Endgame is what we'll be talking about. Indeed. I, I just I didn't even I didn't even bring Patrick into that. I just managed to derail that all on my own. Uh, well, you right. are suffering from the heat stroke, so. Oh gosh, the funny thing is, I just when I was laughing, I kind of like I pressed my my hand to my chest and I almost screamed. Oh because because I did it a little hard. I was like, ah! oh boy, yeah, it's it's a little, I'm gonna be a little tender, a little <laughs> tender tomorrow. <laughs> Right now, I'm 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 about about, about medium rare, medium yeah. rare right now. Oh boy! <laughs> Oof. Anywho, Frickin so I Uncle see Todd. I see that you kind of have uh, some some questions yes. and some some ratings here. So uh, let's let's dive into this, sir. Let's all right. Let's so, get to it. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not looking to dissect and, and retell uh, much as we would, you know, much as we did for most of our BSG episodes. <laughs> yeah, the retelling of every single episode of BSG. Scene one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fade in. Yeah. There's a line down this deck. Oh, never mind. All right. Um, so what makes this a great movie combo? Why would you call Avengers Infinity War and Endgame a great movie combo? That is the first question. Um, well, I mean, it was all, it was essentially, it's, it's like the kill bill of the MCU, which I mean, Hey, there's a, there's a comparison. I'm pretty sure no one else has come up with Mm -hmm. trademark free range idiocy 2021. (laughs) Uh, so it was always kind of intended to be an AB. Like Uh it wasn't like, Oh, and then I guess it's unlike kill bill in that it wasn't ever intended for one gigantic. Well, actually was it, I can't remember if. Anyways, it, but it, originally it was entitled Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. So, I mean, it was always meant to be a big story, you know, and, and then to have been literally a, a side one and a side two of an album or a cassette tape, if you prefer. Right. Um, right. So, it, I mean, that's part of it. It was, it was always meant to, to dovetail and to fit together nicely. So... It's really it's not just by coincidence and they were they were trying to do it years later. It's like I think they even shot these pretty much back to back. So mm-hmm. it was it was really of out of whole cloth when they created these. So to me that's what makes it a great movie. Not to mention the fact that the just the way the the writing worked and the way that they left you on a cliffhanger and just the then the way they they kicked off the the second movie was 
it, it just great. It kept you off balance the whole time, mm-hmm. especially from like the the third act of Infinity War through the end of Endgame was really it just you were constantly being knocked off balance, and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of a rare thing because most movies especially in a sequel, want to be a little bit of comfort food. Like they want to lull you into like, hey, you remember this thing? You like this thing. You like this thing a lot, didn't you? Come back, spend more money for this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in kind of true fashion, they're like, hey, you're going to come and spend your money on this anyways. We're going to mess with you a little bit. And I, I was, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I would agree. And no, yeah, no, and, and what I was going to say is I, I think, um, what, you know, one, one of the, high marks of of these two movies is is the journey that it takes you on and mm. the uh and, and we'll get into this a little bit in, in in the ratings as well but both movies possessing um just very very good storytelling basically pulling on threads that had been uh built up over you know several years of various different characters movies and you know, really kind of the way the Russo brothers intertwined those things. And I, I, I'm just amazed by how they were able to to kind of deal with the, the, the grandness of it all because there were so many characters that you had to give service to mm. and, and to interweave and, uh, and to be able to do it in a coherent way while not having it feel like it's just, you know, information overload sort of thing. And so I, I, I thought they did a masterful job that way. Um, I thought Thanos as a villain was probably one of the best or, or one of the better villains that I've I've seen develop over you know a lot of these different uh, you know comic book or sci-fi movies uh, to give him depth and to give him a a logic to what he's doing mm-hmm. uh, was was part of what made it so great because you could kind of see as crazy as his ideas were they were steeped in a form of logic that when you think about it, you you know you, you you have to think about it to some degree. You know, of, of course, you know no one's going to say taking a life is 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 just you know is justified. But at the same time, when you know when he has that interchange with Gamora and he's talking about how it's a simple calculus, there's a limited amount of resources and there's only so much to go around for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, this guy isn't like completely off his rocker. You know, he's not looking for world or galactic domination for the sake of it. He he has a point to what he's trying to do and as misguided as it is he is seeing it through in in a very calculated way and, and in mm-hmm. a way that we've not seen the heroes have to come up against before mm. um, not to mention in the first movie what was great was how fractured they all were and how in the second movie it was that slow road to getting the band back together yeah. so that's what i really enjoyed about what what they were doing, uh, you know, across those movies is is how they were building off of Civil War and and the fracture that was there between Tony and and between Steve Rogers and the fact that and and just really just how you know spread apart they all were and the fact that they tried to come together in some way, shape, or form but couldn't get the job done. It 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 reminded me a lot of Empire Strikes Back and how I felt that mm-hmm. there's this hopelessness that the good guys are not going to come out on top this time around. And what I thought was so amazing about it was they they went there. They allowed the villain to win. 
and, mm-hmm. and you don't see the villain win very often. You know, everything is always tied up in a nice, neat bow, and and you know the heroes save the day, and everything comes you know comes to you know fruition for them. This one ended on a really somber note. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and you you don't normally see that. You know that that is not how a lot of movies end. So it it was very. I don't want to say it was it was so earth shattering or different, but but it was different because I I remember sitting here and thinking, not since Empire have I seen a movie end with the with the bad guy essentially getting his way and winning, and and the good guys are just basically just tossed to the side, and there's just no hope. Well, but but in in Empire there was hope. They did leave a bit of hope, like That's okay, true. That's you know. True. Lando and and you know Chewie are heading off, and Luke got his hand, you know, his little animatronic hand put back on, and okay, well, mm. but you left the theater, and Han Solo was in Boba Fett's clutches, yes, and Luke was, you know, he he was healing, so I mean, yes, they they, they left with a little bit of hope, but there was still uncertainty as you walked away from the story, and you were going to have to come back for the next round to understand how that uncertainty was going to be made more certain. Yeah, totally. And and I I totally agree. And 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 now speaking not of the end scene, uh, the post credits or mid credit, I can't remember what it, sure, which it was sure. with with Nick Fury and the and the pager and Captain Marvel's logo showing up, taking that out of it. I I don't even think that you I think you can compare the end of Empire and the end of Infinity War. So you can certainly compare them because I do think that you've you've made some interesting parallels there. But oh my gosh, the end of Infinity War, the way it just like, hey, by the way, half of these heroes dead. Mm-hmm. Thanos pimped off to you know his garden. Yep, and fade to black. Yeah, like it, there there was no like, oh, what are we gonna do now? You know, sort of like okay, we need it. We'll do it together. Sort of like there was there was no like none of that. Right. <laughs> It right. was just like credits, like oh my gosh, really? Yep. Wow. Yep. That to me was like they they didn't give you a, a moment of hope until that post credit scene, mm-hmm. but even then you're sort of like, geez, I don't I don't know how much is how much difference is Captain Marvel going to make in this situation? I mean, Thanos right. just beat everyone's butt in the pat in the past battle here. I mean, mm-hmm. what else, what are you going to do? Yeah. And 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 to me that that's what makes the the this combo so great is that leaving the audience with that uncertainty and with that that somber note where you know Thanos does exactly what he says he was going to do he's like I'm going to sit and I'm going to smile on a grateful universe and mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he does he has that smile at the end as he's looking at the, at the sunrise on his farm and to leave you know I remember thinking to myself you know how or, or talking with my family as we were driving home after watching it, it's like how do they come back from that like what do they what do they need to do like so, like of course something's going to have to happen but it's it was one of those great storytelling moments where you can't really predict 100% i mean yeah someone could have said oh they're going to do time travel or something but you really didn't know yeah you well, know and then and then you go then you go to the beginning of of end game and takes you again being knocked off balance because you're expecting like okay well it's going to take two almost three hours to to get thanos and within the first like 10 15 minutes they're like let's go get him yeah yeah and then they do and they get him but then they find out oh crap (laughs) 
You yeah. thought it was hopeless before. Now mm-hmm. it's really freaking hopeless because guess what? That Infinity Gauntlet is toast. Mm-hmm. Now and, and what? The stones are destroyed. And then and then you go through that whole thing of like then five years five year time jump, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you really see it's like okay it is hopeless. Like the Avengers failed in Wakanda, mm-hmm. they failed at the, on the little garden planet. And in five years, guess what they've done? They've done a whole lot more failing mm-hmm. because they haven't. They all they're doing is running around. They haven't brought anyone back. They haven't done anything. They haven't figured out how to do it. Yep. Wow. I mean, just I. I didn't. I thought we were hopeless before, but now I. Cor- I stand corrected. We hit the bottom of the barrel and began tunneling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my gosh. Yep. And and that was again that is it's such a rare thing I think for a sequel, which is again why this is one of those great combo movies. Is like mm-hmm. man, th- they took a lot of chances. Now, granted, they took a lot of chances with money they knew that you were going to pay. Yeah. So <laughs> you can argue that it wasn't that much of a financial risk. Like they right. had you. Right. You know. I mean, these movies were making, you know, hundreds of millions of in and then into the billions. Not so much of a risk, you know. Yeah. I mean, not so yeah. much of a risk. You you could argue that probably the the surest bet before this basically was George Lucas going from episode five to six. Like, yeah. gee, you think they're going to come back for Return of the Jedi? Are you high? Of course they are. You know, they got to find out how this thing ends. And it's the same sort of thing with with Endgame. But I do like how they you. I feel like they use that that capital even more audaciously than Lucas did. I mean, Lucas took some chances in, in Jedi, no doubt. But I feel like the Russos took that and amped it up. Like, they were very audacious and like, okay, you want to see some stuff? All right, hey, let's let's have him face down the villain in the first 15 minutes of the sequel when you're expecting it to be a, a, a three-hour chase. Yeah. And yep. they fail. Mm-hmm. Again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now I got no idea where we're heading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, for all those reasons, yes, great combo, great combo. And uh, and and like I mentioned, just you, you know the the threads they pulled with the characters, with with Tony being a father figure for Spider Man, with with Tony's you know fracture with with Steve Rogers, with Bruce Banner, and and the you know that 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 almost comedic struggle he was having during Infinity War to have the Hulk even come out, you know, after getting mm. his tail whooped by Thanos. You know, to him then becoming this, you know, blend of Bruce Banner and the Hulk as as almost as that Professor Hulk character mm-hmm. was 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 really cool. Um, you know, just uh, all the buildup they did with with, you know, with Gamora being sacrificed by Thanos, you know, being being the the, the daughter that he loved and respected the most and, and had to, you know, basically destroy in order to, to achieve his goals. I mean. You know, it, it, it really, you know, hit a nerve at times with, with the way they had to, you know, go about and and knock off some characters in order to forward the story. You know, the whole thing with yeah. Black Widow and, and Hawkeye was was painful because, you know, even though that wasn't a romantic love, there was just that that love mm-hmm. of friendship that was there. And, and I mean, it, it wasn't portrayed in a funny way, but when I was watching it, it was funny to me to see the two of them beating the tar out of each other because the other one wanted to be the one to, to sacrifice themselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's the level of respect 
and love going on between those two characters that they I'm going to put you down because I'm going to go off that cliff, not you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just just the fact they had that kind of depth to it was was just I, I think it just really added layers and just kind of built the story up from like what you just described. I mean, there, there was this constant failure and, and yet over time, o- over the, the course of Endgame, they slowly are building back up, you know, and, and they're slowly mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they, they're coming together in small ways and, and then in bigger ways. And, you know, of course, crescendoing in what has to be, I mean, Star Wars can't even claim to have one of these. I mean, m- maybe the moment where, where Vader says he's Luke's father was, you know, maybe, at the level of gasp, but the way, but, but I still don't feel it's the same emotion because the way they crescendoed into everyone coming to the battle. Oh yeah. You know, and we've talked about this. Like they, they star yeah. Wars tried to have that moment and they didn't earn it Mm-mm. in, in rise of Skywalker. Not even they close. tried to have their on Not the, on the left close. moment and, and no, no, they, f- no. it fell flat on their faces cause mm-hmm. it was so obvious they were trying to pull that same heartstring and it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, sorry. You didn't earn it. You did not earn it, mm-hmm. which is a big thing when you think about it because of how emotional people are with star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, uh, to say like, no, you, you didn't earn that. I was like, whoa, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a franchise that a lot of people have a lot of emotion for and to overstep it that that big mm-hmm. and also to 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 read the room that poorly was yeah. was quite a a fall on their faces for Star Wars. Yeah, and what I really appreciated was it just it it gave the Marvel franchise kind of their own big moment that stands mm. on its own, you know, as 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 theirs. You know, like like Star mm-hmm. Wars doesn't like I said there really isn't anything from Star Wars that compares to what they did. You know what I mean? Like that is their they did essentially the perfect I mean, I'll put it into pro wrestling terms, but they they did the perfect build toward mm-hmm. the big pop from the crowd. You yes. know what I mean? Like they got it to a point where and and you still find them on YouTube. I mean, it it makes the hair stand on your arms. I mean, it's just like you watch and you listen to people like genuinely get excited about this fictitious <laughs> battle yeah. about to take place and dude i, are I love like, watching Rrr! those and, and i mean i've seen that i've seen that moment i don't know how many times right, right. and it's still like i'm getting tingles right now just thinking about it mm-hmm. because again you have so much built up into that so much and we've talked about this ad nauseum so if you if you're yeah, not yeah. down for me just reliving this fast forward about 30 seconds but you you have all of the characters coming back you have all of the the showcase for everybody and then you've Finally, finally get Avengers Assemble. Yeah. After all of these movies. I mean, I don't know that and and here's the thing. Here is why this these movies and we we talked about as we were kind of going through our list and building our list for this bracket that we were like, "Oh, you you kind of suggested some of the other Marvel movies." I think that the difference here is it's not just comic book movies. These two movies were great movies. Mm-hmm. And and pardon mm-hmm. me for uh Mr. Scorsese because, you know, <laughs> they, I, and I'm and I I'm not even being sarcastic there because you know, Marty has had a career that good lord, just look at the man's filmography, but this was cinema. 
that was great drama. That was great cinema. It just happened to be about superheroes and 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 you know all this stuff. It was great drama and direction and acting and all of those things. And yeah, right. there was a billion dollars spent on special effects and everything. But you know what? It doesn't. You could spend all that money on special effects, and guess what? You wind up with Justice League if the acting and the writing and the directing isn't good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it wasn't just good. It was mwah, chef's kiss. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I agree. I, and that's why this that's why these two movies are on this list. This isn't mm-hmm. just about like, oh, great comic book movies. No, these are these are great movies because some mm. of the other movies we're going to talk about are some of the greatest movies that people look at and like, ah, yes, one of the great masterpieces of cinema. It's like, this is on it's it's in the it's on the list right you know what i mean right. now this next question that you that you put on here i've been thinking about this since we've started talking because oh and can, i've had can this I, can i say one more thing in my mind uh yes just, just one more thing about you know the the thread they pulled and maybe this falls more into character stuff and and we've talked about this before so i will not belabor it but the the payoff with tony's sacrifice yes um just again one of those threads that goes all the way back to the first Avengers movie, uh, mm-hmm. with with Captain America and uh, you know with with Steve's view of Tony, arguably um, and, even back to the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, you could you that's could fair. make an argument. Yeah, yep, that's fair. But because I mean fact- the whole thing with Jensen, mm-hmm. where Jensen is the one who made the sacrifice. It's not Tony. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. And, but but it's 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 Captain America who articulates it and and. Accuse in, in an accusatory way that how he is never the one that's going to, you know, be the one to take the fall, you mm. know, to save, you know, his his platoon mate or whatever, mm-hmm. and and you know so so anyways just just I I again just appreciate the threads that they uh, pulled and connected uh, throughout these two movies and really paid off on a lot of layers, a lot of depth. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just all around I I agree with you. Just just two very well done movies that played nicely back to back yeah so now the, next question sorry and well and, and actually just uh, just to belabor you're not belaboring it but if you think about it tony tony spent all those movies trying to you know and and uh, not buying his way out of trouble but uh-huh. always being able to think his way out yes. always and without having to make that sacrifice whereas captain america you know he was he was ready to do that in the first captain america movie before he had the super ser- uh, super soldier serum, mm-hmm. like that, and Tommy Lee Jones does a whole thing where he takes the grenades, like it takes guts, and and he rolls out the grenade, and he's the one to dive on it. Yeah, right. And ever and all these big strong you know guys who are all supposed to be the next super soldiers, they all run for the hills. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and he's the one who's willing to dive on the grenade before yeah. anything, mm-hmm. you know, like and and showing and a, and a great Tommy Lee Jones thing. He's still small, or <laughs> still skinny, or something like that. Just, oh, anytime I get Tommy Lee Jones in any movie, I am just a happy, happy, happy man. He was he was channeling his character from The Fugitive slightly there. You know, oh, what I mean? he's, it's every Tommy Lee Jones character. That's every one of them. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's Agent K from from Men in Black. It's it's all of them. I don't uh, know. I, I didn't think Agent K was that curmudgeon-y, but yeah. Ah, uh, you you damn close. <laughs> you, he was in the neighborhood. He might have been like a block or two, for, you know, further down, but he was mm-hmm. still in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have all that at play, and you and yeah. at the end of the day, right before all of the on your on your left thing, Cap is willing to sacrifice himself. That's he. Mm-hmm. That's how he's going to end. He's right. he's going to go down fighting, right. and 
at the end of the day, he, he, there is a, there is a bit of of stuff going on there in that last moment when you see him of almost like it should have probably been me. Like I, this is this this is what I've been here for. Right. This is my role, right. and why wasn't it me? Right, you know, and uh, yeah, that oh man, and then the, the great the, way that it ends with him, you know, reconnecting with Peggy and living a life. Yeah, you know, like like as he said, I'm I'm getting a little bit of that life that Tony told me to get. You know, yeah, you know, almost like honoring him in a way, but by mm-hmm. also kind of living in in you know doing what Tony was doing during those five years where he was you know, settling down, having the family and really yeah. just kind of focusing on that. So, you know, it was just, it was a very nice, you know, again, just so many layers to it. And, and they did such a great job of kind of remembering those themes and, and continuing to connect them as, as the, as the movie, uh, you know, kind of came to a close. Yeah. Okay. So now on to the next question before we belabor something else. Yeah, I know <laughs> enough belaboring. Uh, so are there, are there weaknesses? So as great as these movies are, where, where are the weak points? Man, like I was saying, I've been thinking about this since we started talking because I, I've, I've, and I, I got nothing. I have two I've, I've, I would really have to get into some serious nitpicking. And I'm I'm curious to hear what yours are. Maybe it'll spark something. But right now, I got I got nothing that stands out. And and maybe this is nitpicking, but here here's my first one. And, and a lot of it has to do with the consistency of of the universe and the what, what's the term that gets used? Uh, the 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 MacGuffins that that are mm-hmm. in existence in the universe, which are the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. So. Basically, the weaknesses are, are around the Infinity Stones and their purported purpose in in the universe. And where I feel it's a little bit weak is what when Thanos destroys the stones, it seems like the you know explanation that we later get from the ancient one about how the stones kind of provide balance and stability to the galaxy or to the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, where does that go? You know what I mean? Like it it feels like such a like like a, a like it's a minor detail, but it's a detail still where you're kind of like, well, if Thanos does that, then does that mean the universe starts collapsing on itself because now there's no stones to, you know, basically manage over reality and and space and time and all of this stuff. Like what what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and then the second one is related to that, which is what ends up happening with Loki, which is, you know, he ends up, you know, taking one of the stones. It's, it's the premise of the Loki show where he takes one of the stones and he teleports away. So you now, now you have an infinity stone that is not going to be returned back to its time. So, there's, you know, when you get into time travel, there's always going to be a little bit of stickiness there. And, and there's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, some potential areas for there to be, you know, things that don't quite make sense. But, but I just kind of felt like, the infinity stones for the longest time were built up as these you know foundational pieces of the universe and when they disappear there's really no attention paid to it or any explanation given about what now happens it's just life just kind of keeps moving on you know so i, I felt like that just kind of chipped away a little bit at, at the consistency of what was being told with with those as as kind of these galactic you know stability blocks of so, of sorts but what say you sir um well, allow me to retort a little bit to yours because I think those are those are interesting. I hadn't really thought of that in that way. However, the my quick explanation, uh, having just heard this now, would be that I, I think the ancient one might have overstated things a little bit, 
or the, the the fact that the branches are caused by by fooling around with them that mm-hmm. it it wasn't like oh my gosh if the if this infinity stone isn't around what's going to happen because i mean as we saw like the tesseract was was out of circulation for quite a while a couple times i mean good lord that guy had it hidden away in his little you know mm-hmm. mural before Red Skull showed up, and then it was sitting at the bottom of the ocean for a couple decades. So obviously, it's it's not like they need to be there and active all the time. Mm. I think that the one that probably has been used... Well, I don't even know how much they really use the Time Stone, honestly. I mean, it seems like it was kind of like the break glass in case of emergency sort of right, thing. Right, right. Um, but I think it's just the idea that all of them together, it's almost the separation of them and the fact that they are out there mm-hmm. for use that they were foundational parts of the universe and that I, I think that the, the importance of them actually being in circulation is kind of overblown because it seemed like there was more, it was more important that they were separated mm-hmm. and kind of hidden in order to keep stability rather than, <laughs> rather than together. So right. to, to me, it's almost like, well, if they're just non-existent, then things kind of go back to the way that they were where it's better that nobody has them all. So yeah. now nobody has them. Or you could look at it as maybe after everything that Thanos did, the changes are still rippling outwards and they have not had a chance to come back. And because there wasn't a whole lot of time between when they went to get him and all that, you know, you could maybe you could see the five years uh, that happened after, you know, that five year time jump was the universe adjusting and, and kind of descending a little bit into chaos because that's what everyone was doing was out in the out there like uh captain marvel was out there trying to sort out the universe because not mm-hmm. everyone has the avengers to keep things in check and right i don't know I, those are good ones though i think those those are good questions to ask yeah i mean it's it, it's nitpicky in the sense that it, it doesn't get to the to any area that makes the movie bad it's just more about it's really kind of getting into the minutia of the detail being consistent you know what i mean so yeah. so when, when you're arguing at that level like you were saying earlier, these are two very well done movies because if that's the sort of thing that we're going to go after, the rest of it is is solid, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's it's almost like when you're talking about Star Wars or Star Trek and it's like, well, what about the the blah, 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 right. and the blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's space magic. <laughs> you know, that it's just all it needs. That's all you need to know. Like it, we're, it, it, it just it's, it's one of those things where you're like, it's not real. Like these people aren't actually out there. You know, right. like it just has to be enough to be make the story good and it has to make sense enough for the story to serve the story. Same as like Star Trek. Like, well, whatever. If you're traveling at warp, it's like, dude, it's just dilithium. It's it's a made up thing. And it's and it's warp speed and the ships don't exist. And it, th- these aren't real people. Just enjoy the yarn. <laughs> Calm down with like your your I, I want to read the script in the original Klingon translation. Like just stop. Enjoy life. Yep. You know? <sighs> Anyways, I'm always saying that because Patrick keeps on trying to learn Klingon as like a second language and it's really friggin' <laughs> annoying because his accent is all wrong. Doctor. All wrong. <laughs> he makes it sound like a German with a head cold. It's just not good. It's not good. Okay. <laughs> So I'm a little I'm a little oh, touchy on that. I'm a little funny. touchy on that subject. But yeah, I I I can't really think of any that are glaring. I would really yeah. have to to comb through and find some because mm-hmm. there's nothing that really stands out to me. It's like, "Oh my gosh, this." Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's pretty solid. Agreed. All right. Next question uh before we get into the ratings. Is it in the discussion of the top 3 combo platter movies? 
Hmm. So of the movie, now of course it's it's hard to gauge this right now because this is the first one, this this yeah. first pairing that we're talking about. But let's just say, is this movie in your estimation in the discussion for being top three of a list of of the best sequel combo platter type movies? Yes, I would. And agree. and and my my reasoning would be they they would be it would be top ten worthy. I think regardless. The on-your-left moment, to me, just put it over the top. Because, again, you don't... Just moments like that in in movies that years later still make you feel that thing damn near as much... Like, as as powerful as you did the first time. That's a rare thing. And and that's why, again, to me, this this is great cinema. Because... Yeah. If you create one of those moments, I don't care what genre it is, mm-hmm. what characters they are, mm-hmm. nobody can take that away from you. It's like, it's like uh, you know, dismissing a band or an artist because oh, they're just a one-hit wonder. One more than you got, Spanky. <laughs> rather have I'd rather have one song, yep. you know, that is going to be you know people are going to be listening to twenty, thirty years from now than none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, go go ahead and crap on Eagle Eye Cherry. That Save Tonight, great, great pop song. Great mm-hmm. pop song. Come on now. I still know like 80% of the words to that song. Go ahead, dismiss it, but that's one more song than you got, and that's one more moment than a lot of directors got. A right. lot of directors got right. that the Russo brothers nailed. They stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I agree as well. I mean, you know, really just for all the reasons we've been discussing thus far that um, th- this one would, for me, be definitely in the top three. It, it, it was just there, there's only so many combos of, or pairs of films that you watch back to back like that that, you know, can, can get that kind of emotion and, and, and really hit, hit, hit a, a emotional nerve with you, you know, through the storytelling, through the characters. And uh, and this is definitely one of them. So I'm, I would uh, agree and say uh, definitely top three worthy. So nice. So next we're we're gonna try to put some metrics behind the opinion. So yeah. we're gonna do some ratings here, and we're gonna do these for for all the combo uh, platter type uh, pairs that we're gonna look at, uh, and and just rate them, uh, and just kind of reflect back as as we get into the bracketology of this whole thing. Uh, and we start making selections. Are our selections reflective of the numbers that we're giving? So the five categories we're going to uh, go through and rate here are the overall plot and story, the overall characters. So, so meaning are the characters across these two sequels quality worthy? Are they uh, resonating? Are, are, are they deep? You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And then we get into uh, the strength and, the, and slash depth of the protagonist, strength slash depth of the antagonist. And lastly, sequel cohesiveness. Are, are the sequels cohesive? Even though they are sequels of one another, not all sequels have a cohesiveness from, from the first to the second. So, mm-hmm. uh, so those will be the five that we're going to kind of walk through here. So, sir, uh, and, yes. and the rating we'll be giving is uh, one to five, with five being the best yes. and one being the worst. So I just want to make a note before 
we we get into this because I, yes. I can see this already because this is a very unique situation. So as we go into this, I, I and I don't want anyone to to start sending you know feedback to us, which you can do it, Tim at freerangeadc.com uh, later on about how I'm I'm being wishy washy or inconsistent. I I will probably weight the numbers on this. I, I will give less weight to these numbers when considering this movie mm-hmm. against others because to me this is this is going to be a very different situation just because no other movies that we're talking about have the kind of build-up that Mm. these movies did so yeah i mean when you're talking about characters and protagonists and antagonists and and overall plot and stories like all of that has been building for i mean close to 20 movies at this point Mm -hmm. when you hit these two flicks so that's going to be a very you have a lot of depth that other movies are not going to have because it's just you know you're not talking about whatever whatever number these movies were in sequence you're not in double digits Understood. for most of these other movies so Understood. anyways i just wanted to throw that out there sure uh so why don't you kick us off overall plot and story what's your rating i got i got to give this a 4 actually i'm going to give it a 5 because they 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 capped not just the the Avengers story, not just Thanos's story. They cap they they either capped or progressed so many stories that were already in progress with these other characters. I mean, to weave all that together was masterful. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't I don't know what other rating you can give. Like if you if you to tie this many threads up and not leave a whole lot hanging. What else do you want if you're not going to give this a five? I mean, come on. Exactly. Which is why I, too, will give this a five. Uh, not just out of fanboy love of these movies, but but I just feel overall the, the, the completeness of it all really is what elevates it. And, and it just, uh, you know, it's it's been very rare, as I said, to see a sequence of movies like these two where it just does a really masterful job of layering in different elements uh of what came before um mm-hmm. layering in different elements going on in the movie the, itself and and with the characters uh and and the way that it transitions and bridges in, into the sequel and and how that you know continues to carry it forward i i given the magnitude of what this was going to be i was just really impressed with how focused and direct and strong the storytelling was so i i'm giving this a a five as well very good next category overall characters now can i do half are we are we just doing whole numbers here or are we uh i will we'll allow we'll allow a half sure i just don't want to get into like 3.7 or something like that you know what i mean like if you want to do like 4.5 that's fine I'm going to give this one a 4.5. And uh, because I think the one area that they kind of. Well, here's the thing. Uh, all of, of course, all the characters who were in other movies, very well done, lots of background, lots of depth to all of them, all of that. Um, the, the, the henchmen for. or hench creatures. I guess mm-hmm. for Thanos, I felt were because uh, I got to ding something here, so I'll, I'll take like a half a point off for for those creatures not necessarily being very well fleshed out or really even having that much personality 
for each of them or really any backstory through no i mean no fault of their own i'm glad that we got more information on the main characters that we really care about rather than you know the dude who looked like uh you know a bad ripoff of a uh, green goblin uh, <laughs> after being rolled around in soot. I'm, I'm, I mean, Hey, I'm glad for that, but you know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take off half a point just for that. All right. All right. I'm actually, Oh, it's going to be bad. I, I'm going to go five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really, I, I, I hear you. I, I do hear you on, on the, the lack of development around, uh, around Thanos's crew, but, I and maybe this plays to what you were saying that that this is this combo is going to have a little bit of a an edge against some of some of these other uh, sequels we're going to talk about because mm-hmm. the depth of storytelling goes back to what had come before and um, all, you know these two movies are are really you know anchored in in, in Steve Rogers and Tony Stark uh, and and they're just their respective paths being apart and then being together. And, and then there's all of the other threads and, and, uh, and paths that, that various characters take in terms of the choices they make and that sort of thing. So I, I just feel like there's, there's such depth to a lot of the different heroes and characters across the two movies where you had some getting focus in, in the first movie in infinity war. And then, they didn't get as much in Endgame, but the but the characters who didn't get as much focus in Infinity War started to get more in Endgame. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I think they did a nice job balancing that out. So, so yeah, so I, I it's really hard for me to find something to, to knock it for. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna stay at a at a five for the for the characters. Totally makes. I mean, I I I could make an argument for for either of those. Alrighty. So, next one. Strength mm-hmm. slash depth of the protagonists. Five. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree. Again, I, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. This is the payoff of all of this stuff, and and there, and and the the thing is, even as with you know two or three movies, or in some cases four movies to to build these characters you are still getting little little details little brush strokes little things to fill them out and to to add to it it wasn't just like hey here's the guy and there they go and here's the gal and here she goes and Mm -hmm. it wasn't that it was like hey let's learn let's add a little bit of a little bit of detail Mm -hmm. to tony stark let's add a little bit of detail to steve rogers let's add a little bit of detail to ant-man i mean it was i mean come on that's that's part of the artistry. You, you're, they were adding depth right Absolutely. up through until the last scene. It was, it was I don't know what else you want. And I concur on all fronts and accounts, so I am giving it a five as well. Uh, strength slash depth of antagonists. All right, so here. Oh, here we go. Here I'm going to actually. I'm only going to consider the main antagonist because I'm not going to count the the hench creatures sure. as real antagonists. Maybe, maybe Squidward. Oh. I'll, I'll count him. I don't even know what the what the care. I just know what Tony Stark called him uh, because he actually seemed like he had a little personality, whereas the other one one grunted and the other two didn't do a whole lot. Um, but I'm only going to th- consider Thanos, and I think I, I got to give this one a five too. Thanos is, I mean, number one. Like you said, there there is a logic 
to this character. This character firmly believes that he is the hero of the of his own movie. Mm-hmm. He believes that what he is doing is right. He believes he is the hero in in his version of this universe. And because you can actually follow the logic, it is not a like. I, I, you know, I'm going to hold the Earth for ransom because I'm going to use my laser cannon and shoot out, you know, shoot the moon apart. Why? <laughs> I want a one billion dollars. <laughs> it, it's not like some Bond movie villain. It right. like there is a logic that you can follow. Now, I mean, we all disagree on that logic, <laughs> yeah, and and, right. and how that works. But at least, at the very least, it's not like this so this far out sort of thing. And right. those are the best characters. That's why even like you go back to a movie like uh you know Wrath of Khan. Mm. Why is is Khan such a compelling character? Because you know what Khan been done wrong. Yeah, I mean Khan got hosed, and and nobody came back to check on him. And even if even if if you're going to be the Federation and and say we we treat people with with dignity and respect, it's like then you got to do the same for your for even the ones that you're exiling, you know. And and so Khan's got a legit beef, mm-hmm. and and so you can follow that logic through and understand how that character is is way they are and why they are why they're doing what they're doing. Thanos totally. Mm-hmm. And and again, just the the depth that goes in with Gamora, with the relationship with Nebula, and how all of that comes together. And let's just take it this way: you have a purple character with this weird sort of chin thing, <laughs> and all the like. He's got Mount Everest that, for a chin. <laughs> something that could be ridiculous. Ridiculous, and yeah. if you don't think it could be ridiculous, uh, go back to the the Justice League version of uh, yeah. of uh, what's his face. I can't even remember the character now. Oh, Steppenwolf. Um, Steppenwolf. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go back to that version and look at how ridiculous a pure CGI character bad guy can be. Thanos actually looked and felt in every aspect, and again, great great voice acting um, by Josh Brolin. But the writing and the direction, all of it, felt like a real character. That character had weight on the screen. If you're not going to give this one a five, I'm not sure what you're going to give a five to. Mm-hmm. Kind of checks all the boxes of, of, of a lot of people just working their ass off to make a really freaking good character and a really good bad guy. Agreed. And I am also going to give this a five. You know, really, for all the reasons I've, I've, you know, we've been talking about for the last, you know, hour or so, um, just yeah, I, I think Thanos, you know, even being a, fi- a fictional villain, just having purpose and and having a a reason and not just, you know, doing this to watch the world burn, um, yeah. which you know, no no slight against you know the Joker character because that that worked for for that character, but but. You know, to have a purposeful villain like this and to not have one, you know, we, we've joked about how in Star Wars the the Empire just seems like it's made up of a bunch of, of fools who can't seem to. Oh, my to. gosh. You might as well have the Three Stooges music. <laughs> What's going on? Like, how how in the how in the hell did you guys take over the galaxy? How did it happen? I know. And, bunch of chuckleheads, and 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 you see just just the the just the ruthless systematic approach that he takes, and and the the calmness that he does it in as as you know just awful as as what it is he's doing is, you know just made for a very formidable, believable villain that really it took all of them banding together to take to take him down. 
Mm. Um, and, and all of them banding together and the sacrifice of one to take him down. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, yeah, for all the reasons you've said and for the reasons we've talked about, just, just a, a, a fantastic antagonist for this film uh, or for these two films. So I'm, I'm giving it a five as well. And finally, mm-hmm. finally, sequel cohesiveness. I think we've answered this one multiple times as we've been talking, but, but what say you, sir? I want to give it a 10. <laughs> I mean, it, come on. They were, they it's were it's like the reverse together. Roman Reigns. I want to give it a plus 100. <laughs> I mean, it was they were written together, which, again, is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why, you know, this is going to differentiate from so many of the uh, actually, I think almost all of the other movies that we have that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It was they were written together as a as a piece with the same actors, mm-hmm. the same directors. I mean, I believe damn near the same crew working on both of these movies back to back. I, I mean, you don't get much more cohesive than that, and no. and which there should be points for other movies in, in the same way of like, hey, these movies were separated by five, ten, you know, however many years, and yet they fit together so well. Well, that's an achievement, especially if you have different directors, different writers. Mm-hmm. Your your you know actors have gone on to do other things, and now they have to come back to those characters. That should count for points too. But dang, I mean, as far as two things fitting together, I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Can't yeah. get much better. No, you can't, and and it, it, and it may be unfair because, like you said, there was a lot of buildup leading into it that they were able to draw from. Um, but you know, when when you go back to, I mean, this goes back maybe more than a year now to when we talked about Rise of Skywalker. What what was that thing that we were talking with Jimmy Dice about that was lacking from it all, and that was the the cohe- you know, that cohesiveness from from Episode Seven to to Episode Nine. You know, like mm. there just wasn't. Clearly, there, there, there wasn't a vision, and I think recently J.J. Abrams even came out and said that was the case. That there, there, his his regret from doing those three movies was he or being involved in seven and nine was he wishes there was a more cohesive plan in place for the three of them, and well, and it was apparent. It was very well, apparent from those from the post quill that they were not they 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 were either not written or or not even con- conceived all together it was just various visions linking one to the other and uh and and it did it did become apparent so um so yeah so i'm i'm i feel like this is one of the best combos of you know uh sequel movies that 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 i've seen where it just is it, it just starts right up from where the last one left off it brings everything along it ties back to everything that happened before and uh, and it just did a, it does an amazing job of, of progressing that story and bringing it to a satisfying conclusion. So uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a five as well. So that we, we've we've basically started with with the cream of the crop, uh, as, as the macho man would say, cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Dig it. I would I would love to just hear macho man doing everyday things, <laughs> you know, I, that would have been such a great thing if we still had Randy Savage just could be like, just I want to hear Randy, I want to hear Macho Man calling the electrical company to talk about his bill. Oh, let me tell you, brother, I, like, don't, I don't remember having my stuff on that long. I don't know why my usage is higher this month than it was last month, last, the last year at the same month. Yeah, brother. Oh, my gosh. I got to tell <laughs> oh, you, that, just, just doing that two-second so impression of him, I think I blew out my vocal cords. I don't know how he did a career out of that. Good Lord. I'm actually seeing spots i i think that's the heat stroke 
Oh, oh good. Oh, good. So actually, oh. and, and not to belabor uh, this, but here's, and I, I think I might have actually, after ranting about this five or six times on this show, I think I might have actually kind of come to an understanding of where, what I've been trying to say with, and, and this is regards to the post-squeal Star Wars trilogy. I don't think that you necessarily have to have a plan. You know what I mean? Because not every sequel series was planned from the very beginning, and some of them have turned out pretty good. I think what you need is uh, you need someone who is going to stand up and say, nope, this is how we're going to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a plan, but you need some you need like a champion of the, the story and of the direction that things are heading in. So in, in not so much a plan like, okay, we're going to go here and then we're going to go here, we're going to go here. It's like, nope, we're just heading in this general direction and we will not go east and west. We are going this way. Because I think, I, I still contend, I think they had a plan. I think they had a plan. I think they have tried every single which way they can to get around saying, we chickened out and we tried to cave to what we thought fans were going to like. We tried to guess what they wanted. And we messed up because we got a little scared because there was fan kickback. And, ah, well, well oh gee, we got to get them all back. So let's go over the top and do this. And that's what I think happened. And I think yeah. that yeah. someday, someday, far from now, you know, when J.J. Abrams is riding around in, like, his Captain Pike, you know, ori- <laughs> you know like... Or like original uh, Star Wars series motorized wheelchair, and he's you know he, one of the last things he's going to say before he has to communicate by buzzing a light once or twice is going to be you know I chickened out we should have we shouldn't have listened to the fans I think that's going to be the last thing he says before he starts you know once for yes twice for no Rose I think that's going to be it yeah that's going to be his <laughs> rosebud moment damn fans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. But maybe that's just me. And the heat stroke. <laughs> hey, Patrick, we got any aloe? <laughs> Good God. Oh. No, I don't want it to drink. <laughs> you put it on. No, no, I don't want you to put it on. Oh, oh, you Oh, For, you're forget you- coming up with show topics. We just need to turn Uncle Todd loose with Patrick for about an hour, and I think the podcast will write itself. He, he's trying to tell me he drank the aloe. You've been a tour de force with this thing. This has been incredible. And you wonder why you had the runs for the last week. <laughs> you just greased your innards. <laughs> at, least, at least you're moisturized, I guess. I mean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> oh man, I'm telling you, freaking interns. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. This- I never signed up for this whole thing. Anyways. And another thing. All right. Well, sir, uh, so what have you got for your and another thing this week? Uh, so my and another thing, and I and I think you'll you'll have a little input into this as well, uh, is uh, the latest for the WWE uh, Stone Cold Broken Skull Sessions uh, with Mick Foley. Uh, I, yes. I watched this last week. Uh, coming uh, hot, hot off the the sequence of A and E biographies, of which both Stone Cold and, and Mick Foley had their own respective ones, and uh, you know I, I've I've seen and I've read about Foley's life quite a bit, so there isn't really a whole lot 
new that surprises me, but I am always, always captivated listening to not only, I mean, not only listen to Mick talk about the business, but, but, but to have he and Steve Austin, I mean, and I've said this many times, Steve Austin just does a phenomenal job as an interviewer. And, and I, I so enjoy listening to him talk about the business, listening just to how he describes it, the way he thinks about it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the way he reacts to, to, you know, the clips that they look at of, of, you know, these various superstars careers. But, mm-hmm. uh, but he and Mick just, I mean, they, these are two guys who came up at, you know, kind of roughly at the same time together, traveled together. I mean, within the first 15 minutes, the, I, I'll just say this, the, the DDP story they go into, yes. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Dude, I've did you never, see, he, DDP go, actually tweeted out. He's like the one story that no, that no, no one forgets and it will never die. <laughs> But I don't think I've ever seen Steve Austin laugh that hard oh, when when, yeah. when when Mick's telling the story and he gets to the punchline, and to see to see him laugh as hard as he did was just so it was just it was fun it was just so because he's there he was oh, there when it happened I it's know like, Dude, you, I know oh oh my god yeah I think the interesting thing about those about those shows is you can really. I think after watching enough of these, I've kind of unlocked the the Steve Austin sort of tells. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can really tell. I, I think that most of the people that he's had on the show, he respects on some on some level. Mm-hmm. I think there's some more than others. Right. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that I don't know how much he respected Goldberg. I haven't actually watched that episode because I just I don't um, know that I really want to watch those. I don't want to. I don't really care about Bill Goldberg that much. Um, yeah. But I noticed that in the he does he, he does a fantastic job of interviewing and and kind of getting a conversation going. However, when he, there's someone that he really likes, mm-hmm. really likes and really respects, his questions are much shorter, mm-hmm. and he's not leading them into anything and, and kind of over explaining things. And I noticed that with Bailey, with Sasha Banks, and with Mick Foley, yeah. he really gives them a lot more time to speak and and can and to lead and he gives them the opportunity to lead the discussion yeah agreed agreed yeah, and uh, so- i wonder i wonder how much of that is like his own his own role because I, I i i can't remember which uh no it was in the sasha banks episode where he was talking about how he always they were talking about leading matches and how mm-hmm. sasha banks always has led when since she's been in the business that's just what she's done Mm-hmm. She's always just assumed that role, and he's like, "Yeah, I always did that too." It's because partially because I'm hard of hearing, so I can't hear anybody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of wonder if it's that sort of instinct that you know, well, this is how I always did it in the business, so I'm going to lead the interview. But right, uh, right. he does tend to back off a little bit more and and be much more of a listener mm-hmm. with those people who have. They're definitely up that next level, you know. Yeah. So, so definitely check it out. It is uh, a, a very worthy listen. I think it's almost two hours, um, but it's just mm. Foley's just a, such a fascinating figure, um, guy who who really. I mean, you just look at his career, and and I was I think I talked about this last uh, last episode with with my and another thing on the A and E biographies, but he, by, for all intents and purposes, should should really have never gotten to the level he did. Um, there, there was no. a lot of you know, really hard work that he put in. There was there was a fair amount of luck and timing in terms of when he was in WWE and, and the and the mm. crew that he was running with to get the opportunities he did. Um, but but he just you know he he made some amazing memories and and did some you know just really insane things in the ring. But uh, but but just you know is such a beloved character and a beloved uh, pr- uh, person. 
and and in fact, he he is uh, uh, in our intro, and and our our own Uncle Todd was uh, fortunate enough to meet him about a year and a half, two years ago, I believe. Yes, indeed, at a at a Chinese restaurant in Saugus, Massachusetts, which makes perfect sense if you if you know Mick Foley and and his history <laughs> around that particular Chinese restaurant. It, <laughs> Of course he's going to have a stop at the Kowloon because that's where he would always get post-match meals to, from. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a great episode. Yeah. Really good. And there's actually a, there's an, uh, an extra video that I will find on YouTube where he's talking about um, in the, uh, the Japanese, uh, the King of the Deathmatch mm-hmm. series that he did in Japan. And it's, it's funny because... Mick swears, yeah. which yep. he very he very rarely ever does. Yep. And and Austin got a huge kick out of just the fact that he cussed. Which yeah. I was like, that is just great because you got <laughs> you got Steve Austin on the ah, 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 because oh just gosh. Mick Foley said a naughty word. Yeah, I'm like, that's great. That's that is just funny. great. So yes, WWE Broken Skull Sessions with Mick Foley on the Peacock. Yes. The, the, you, the streaming service I can no longer make fun of anymore <laughs> because I've now spent way too many hours uh, on various various aspects of it. Yeah. And you, sir, what is your in another thing? Well, uh, this is going to be kind of a tag along to one that I uh, an, another thing from oh I think about a year ago or maybe even more than that. Uh, however, uh, you may have remembered me talking about a vocalist, a surreal me, uh, who is I would say one of the finest jazz vocalists I've I've ever heard and and just one of the better vocalists in any genre that I have ever heard. Uh, and she has a new album called I'll Be Seeing You and it is just Cyril and Michael Valenu, I think is how you pronounce that, mm-hmm. uh, who is a guitarist, jazz guitarist, and that is it. It is, it is vocal and guitar. And I love this because it reminds me of one of the great uh, greatest albums I have ever listened to uh, so there was a there was a an album that my father-in-law had in his record collection and it he we were we were hanging out at at, uh, at his house and he was putting on different records and he put this record on and the two of us sat there in silence and listened to this entire album front and back mm-hmm. didn't even say a word just when when the when the needle hit the end of the side A, just got up, flipped it over, put side B, and didn't say anything. Like we didn't, we were barely breathing, listening to the whole thing. And it was a uh, it was Ella Fitzgerald, uh, of course, one of the great singers of all time, and Joe Pass, who is one of the most phenomenal guitar jazz guitar players you'll ever hear. One of those guys who can play, who can play lead while playing rhythm and accompanying himself on a solo, which wow. I'm just like that blows my mind. Nice. But anyway, this album reminds me of that. Okay. It is, it is, it is not. I mean, I'm not going to put her on the same level as Ella because that's just that's rarefied air. But oh my gosh, there there is a lot in common and. Just the the song selection, the the guitar playing, uh, her vocal take on some of these songs is just is also tasteful and well done. And she is just a gorgeous singer. Her voice is amazing to listen to. 
Um, so you should definitely check that out. I will put, of course, a link, um, but I'm sure you can find her on any streaming service and it is well worth your time to do a deep dive into all of the stuff that she has released and recorded because she is phenomenal very nice very nice well we have now come to the end of our well we've almost come to the end of our time sometimes these intros can take a while so uh, don't get too uh, too happy quite yet but we are we are nearing how about we put it that way the end of our time here uh, we do thank you all for uh, gathering here with the free range idiocy congregation we do so appreciate these little gatherings that we do and it is a it is kind of fun we, we do record these on a Sunday uh, but of course we uh, fool around so much that we would have gotten kicked out of any other church so we had to start our own online podcast church apparently uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, ain't no tax breaks in this one for us. No. Nope. Uh, j- just a lot of debt. That's all it is. <laughs> and that's just the bourbon bills. <laughs> we, we haven't figured out how to turn a profit on this sucker quite yet, but we're working on it. We'll we're get there. We're working on it. We'll get there. But we do appreciate you all tuning in and listening to us blather on about, uh, well, whatever it is that we've blathered on about in each episode that we are uh, recording. Uh, you don't, you, People might be asking, how do I join the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, Todd? Well, you know what? I am so glad that you asked. Uh, what you have to do is uh, you just subscribe and you listen to every single thing that we ever record and download it five or six times just because, well, we love to see numbers go up. That's, again... <laughs> We are very simple creatures. <laughs> so you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Podbean. If you go to freerangeidc.com, you'll see all of our episodes there. You can download them all to your heart's content, and uh, you know, you'll probably feel dumber afterwards, and we're sorry. So uh, then if you want to further get involved, I mean, this is, I'm not saying that we're Scientology, but the next level then is that, <laughs> and there's no, you know, we're not passing the, the collection plate here, and you know, you don't have to buy any special books, and we're not going to audit you and all that weird stuff like here hold these two metal tubes and answer these questions like seriously people go for that like oh yeah sure yeah this is totally yeah yeah oh anyways the scientologist patrick if any scientologists call don't let them through okay you'll be able to tell because they're talking about like some aliens and stuff no, no, no. Let the, the, the guy who calls him talks about the aliens landing in his backyard and taking a whiz in his azaleas. No, let that guy through. He's he's fun to talk to. Yeah, I like him. He's a hoot. Oh, it's, it's the one. It's the other ones. The Xenu guy. Yeah, that. Yeah. Hold the calls from them. OK. All right. Anyways, so uh, what you can do is you can follow us on social media. We are on we are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, show ideas, rants, raves, offers of outright bribery, we are not above it. Uh, we might be below it because. Eh, psh- Again, we haven't turned a profit on this sucker. You can send all those to Tim at freerangeedc.com, and he will get back to you forthwith ASAP, PDQ, if not sooner. post Now, we come to the time in the show when I finally stop talking. <laughs> Hallelujah! Patrick, shut up. <laughs> Had just about enough out of you. <laughs> you. Are you done advertising? Where are you? What? You... You... You're in the numbers. I don't have any barbers to start with numbers. Oh, my gosh. Are you arranging him by proof number? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's going by bottle size. I've, I've stopped asking questions at this point. Anyways, so uh, now that my time in the show is uh, coming to an end, what I like to do is I like to think back over the entire show, just kind of reminisce, just 
try and understand and digest all of this knowledge that we have and just ask the very simple, salient question of the moment. What the hell did we learn? Uh, we have learned the following, my friend. Oh, good. We've learned that Uncle Todd needs to use the suntan lotion. Don't stay out under the sun so long, my brother. Oh, my gosh. I might as well have just put myself in a freaking microwave oven today. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a smart man. Not at all. Oh, we've also learned. We've been introduced, if you will, to Patrick the intern, who will be arranging the bourbon cabinet well into next week. Oh, my gosh. And will this- probably be an ongoing gimmick from this point forward. <laughs> telling you right now you spill one of them you buy it <laughs> no i can't take it out you don't you're not getting paid for this oh my gosh take it out of your created no, it a monster of, it doesn't come out of your health insurance that's not how health insurance works <laughs> oh my gosh oh we have also learned after rehashing and uh what was the term we were using uh belaboring uh, yes. Avengers Infinity War and Endgame are probably closest to uh, the, the perfect movie combo platter, at least uh, from the opinion of, of us here at the uh, Free Range EDC. The only one that counts. And finally, uh, as we talked about, more movie combo platter episodes to come as we look at different sequels and talk about their merits before we get into it with the brackets and determine the best of the best. Mm-hmm. There can all, be only one. There can be only one. But we Which is be funny because they made movie. like, what, 10 sequels to Highlander? It was yeah, like, I, I thought said there could only be one. I don't think Highlander's going to make the cut, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Oh, Patrick, man. what? Seriously, you think Highlander 1 and 2? <laughs> get out. Get out. Get out. Oh. No, no, definitely come back tomorrow. Yeah, I've got stuff for you to get out now. Yeah, that, that oh. now. Yeah. With all that being said, we thank you for the downloads uh, over the course. Hey, of Hey, put the- that stapler down. <laughs> That's a couple. You of say weeks. you could take that. Oh my gosh, are you good over there? <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap the episode up here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's. <laughs> This whole training thing is really getting me. Hey, proceed, sir. Proceed. We we, we thank you all for the downloads over the last few weeks. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. as Uncle Todd has has, uh, eloquently put, uh, would would love to see more. So please do continue to listen. Uh, And finally, uh, as we always like to sign off, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And, uh, you know... Just because I think he needs the 350 to get the suntan lotion, please, can you hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. (laughs) Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Give me my cheese wheels, boy. So say we all. So say we all. That idea is just the worst. No, Tim will not write you a letter of recommendation. (laughs) He doesn't even know who you are.